This week on the Baseline Podcast, Josh and I discuss the Cleveland Browns. We discuss their collapse against the Atlanta Falcons. And we discuss, is it time for Joe Woods to be fired as the defense coordinator of the Cleveland Browns? And then we talk about college football. We talk about the rise of Kansas and the TCU's big win versus Oklahoma. And then we talk about, is Ohio State still dominating at a level they need to? And is CJ Stroud still the front runner for the Heisman? And then we move on to the postseason of MLB, where we talk about who we think will be in the World Series at the end of the year. And we also talk about who is our dark horses to be challenging for a championship this year. All that and so much more coming up on the Baseline Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the episode of the Baseline Podcast. I'm Ben. That's Josh. And it's episode 59 of the podcast. It's just an amazing day. It's an amazing day to be here. It fall is here. Josh, I was walking around Budapest today uh, after work or during work as well when I was out at recess. And I was like just breathing in the cool air and the smog and everything else that's in the city. But besides that, I was breathing <laughs> in the cool air and realizing, man, it is football season. It is October, which means baseball playoffs, which means basketball's right around the corner. And man, it's just a great day to really talk about sports. It is, man. It's October, the best sports month of the year, as you said. All the major leagues are going to be going on. But man, I hate to I hate to lead with another downer, as I did, uh, I think, last week, Ben. But the Browns, man. Dude, don't even start with me. I had a chance to gain a game on you. What what I tell you at the end of it, I was like, I'm going against my better judgment here, and I'm going to pick the Browns, even though my gut tells me the Falcons are winning this game. And <laughs> I mean, to the Browns' credit, I, the Falcons did not score as many points no, as I thought they no, would, they but yeah. this was also another game that I didn't get to watch because uh, busy at work, but I saw Fire Joe Woods trending again on Twitter, Ben, so I imagine the defense has something to do with this. So what are you now? You, you're one in what? One in three? You one in three now? I think I'm I'm 0 and four, dude. Oh, yeah, it's I picked 0 them to beat the Jets. I picked I think, them to beat the Falcons, yes. and I picked them to lose to Carolina. Yes, one, I'm two and, I and two. To lose That's right. I'm two to, and two. Uh, yeah, I picked whatever the Browns yeah, like. So. I basically have the same record as the Browns, but okay. With that being said, I, this is my first comment about it and the whole fire Joe Woods things. Uh, and, and again, if you guys want to hear kind of our thoughts, make sure you go over to our Instagram at baseline.podcast. We tend to post things on the story or things like that that we comment on, and you could probably tell who's who. <laughs> I, I, I say it's usually two biased. completely different personalities that are posting yes. on there. It seems like so you it's kinda, not too hard to tell. Yeah, you can kind of figure out who it is. But um, no, on this topic, right? Like I, I'm here in Hungary, so I was able to catch parts of the game, but then also follow along. And then I watched the highlights after. And um, it, it's very interesting to me because the Joe Woods thing's interesting to me because I'm not here saying we should fire him. And I'm not saying, hey, we should keep him. I'm just saying we, we got to figure out what's best for this team because we were supposed to come out of these first four games with at least three wins. At least these three were wins. the These were the must-win games. Yeah. If you can come out three and one, you're looking good. If you come out four and oh, you're looking great. Mm -hmm. uh, two and two, you know, I think there's a lot more people worried than I am. I feel like I... This team hasn't been completely healthy. This team has I haven't seen a capability of the defensive line yet because it's been just beat up. The secondary has been beat up. Um, but I will say is that when a team has decided to screw the pass and decide to go straight run, I don't, I don't care, Josh. I think me and you could be sitting here on a recliner and be going, like, I think we could be coaching that game and going, hey, guys, let's just load the box up or do something because all they were doing was running third and fourth string running backs and saying, hey, we'll hand the ball off. Well, hey, we'll throw a screen pass here and there. And I think 
that to me is what worries me about Joe Woods is that it's like if you can't make these adjustments in game, what's going to happen when we play the Ravens, when we play the Patriots, when we play the Chargers next week? Like what's going to happen to this team? And it really worries me because I don't believe that last drive I feel like could have been handled better. There's a lot of things I could say about that last drive. The Browns had a chance to tie, but it shouldn't have been to that point. You know, Brissett's doing the best he can. He's never going to be a guy that's going to throw seven touchdown passes in a game, 380 yards. That's not Brissett. But what you can do is rely on the running game. And also when it's, by the way, when it's, when it's okay, Josh, when it's like first, second, third goal at the one freaking yard line, why are we doing jump over the line? Why are we doing these weird rollout play action passes? Like hand the ball off to your, your best running back and, or just do a QB sneak. Like I, I don't get coaches with fancy things, but Josh, seems like I, the commentators yeah. all the time talk about how great Jacoby Brissett is on those. Exactly. QB I mean, he sneaks, had, right. He had three, like he's 20, he not- three of them. He had three yeah. first down QB sneaks. And so Josh, I'll say this. I think the defense is what let this team down this week. Um, I, again, the offense could have done better at times, but the offense played pretty well with what they have and what they were doing. I mean, Amari Cooper disappeared, which is obvious because the Browns receiver. I think that's, that's fair enough. Amari's kind of carried the, especially the receiving group. And I've talked about this every week. I mean, it, I think it's fine for him to not have a huge game. It's just the problem is the other receivers aren't stepping up and haven't been stepping up. So when Amari did finally have a day that he wasn't uh, tearing it up out there, it's like, that's kind of the result you get. But yeah. I have some stats yeah. here, Ben, because yeah. I'm reading through the box score because that's all I can do uh, for not watching the game. I'm like, okay, the Browns did pretty much. I mean, they they beat Atlanta in almost all the major stats except these yeah. uh, these other these bottom three right here that are kind of important. So penalties, the Browns committed seven penalties for 51 yards. Falcons had just one penalty for 15 yards. Uh, Browns two turnovers. Falcons one. Uh, the Browns one for three in red zone trips. Falcons two and four. Uh, I mean, that that seems to me to be the padlock stats, because when you look through like first downs, total plays, total yards, uh, the Browns, I mean, had the lead in all those areas. And it's just those those mistakes, I guess you can say, are what cost them. I think our friends over at Crane Company, Jake says it a lot. Teams more often than not lose games than they win them. And it looks like this is just a game the Browns lost based on those uh, those three stats right well, there. You know, and I agree with you. And and Josh, uh, we talked about it. I think after the Jets game, and and Josh, I'm going to ask you this: This team, don't you think this team should be this team should be four and zero right now? They very easily could be four and zero. What's keeping them from four and zero? Giving up two touchdowns in 90 seconds to the Jets, and then I guess these these giveaways against the Falcons and the mistakes, like and and letting very and letting, easily, and, yeah, could be four and and letting a fourth string court, a fourth string running back run for 85 yards against you. Yeah. And I mean, the Browns opponents, Ben, they combined for a six and 10 record right now. So, that, I mean, that was the easy part of our schedule. Now we go to, I mean, we have a home game against the Chargers on Sunday. So that's, I mean, the, right now, Justin Herbert leads the NFL in passing yards. So our <laughs> secondary, I mean, we've had, we've had problems with our secondary against Joe Flacco. We've had issues with our secondary in the first half against Mitch Trubisky. So I can't wait oh. to see what they do against Herbert. Then we got a home game with New England, but then we really hit the gauntlet with uh, games at Baltimore, home game against the Bengals. We have to go to Miami and to Buffalo. We host Tampa Bay, and before we get to go to Houston, there when Deshaun Watson comes back. But man, those those next few games, man, I'm not I'm not seeing the win. Maybe New England because they haven't been looking themselves, and Mac Jones is out right now. We'll see what happens with this Tua Tagovailoa injury. Uh, 
if he'll be able to be back for that game. Uh, that's later in November, though. And if it is just a, a concussion, he could be. But I don't I don't see a win right here, Ben, other than maybe that New England one. If there's a bright side to it, the AFC North has been playing absolutely terrible. That is the other thing. Even the though, Cincinnati game is, I mean, I still think that's a loss, but it's much more winnable than we thought it was preseason. But I'll say this, though. The Bengals even though they beat the Dolphins and yeah, the sacks went down, I still watch some of those highlights and I'm like, if, t- if Tua doesn't go down, who knows what that game is like? Well, we don't know how that game would have been changed, how it would have been different. Um, and again, I'm sure Jared will, he could come on here and debate on how the Bengals are the best team in the AFC North. To be honest, I don't think there's any team in the AFC North that's like the team right now. The Ravens defense has looked atrocious has been one of the worst defenses I've seen in Baltimore. Yeah, in a long it's basically time. been Lamar and everybody else. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, the Baltimore team is very similar to the Browns team right now. They have a great offense. A very, I mean, Browns have a very solid offense, and a defense has just been like the defense has been what's there. losing it. Yeah, well, think about it. I think the Baltimore offense is better, but it's been the same case with the defense blowing, yes. especially to that Miami game where they gave up twenty eight in the fourth. Exactly. Well, it's even it's even this, Josh. It's like you're paying you're paying a ward for the Browns. You're paying him that he's the second highest paid cornerback and he has not looked at himself. He had an interception on Sunday, but still hasn't looked himself. You're paying, you're paying Johnson as at safety. Also top dollars. You're, you even have Garrett who's hurt. We don't know how he's going to be. Even if he's playing, we don't know how healthy he is. Clowney's been out. You have no defensive tackle help. Your linebackers are on their second and third string. It, to me, this looks like you're basically telling Brissett and Chubb, hey, you guys have to go score 35, 40 points every game for us to be in it. This is not college football, like where you can just score and then and then somewhat stop a team every so often. And I again, I look at that schedule too with you, and I, I see maybe two wins out of that out of these next games. And I hate to say that because I'm a Browns fan. I want them to win. But I can see the Bengals and the Patriots and maybe the Chargers because their defense hasn't been the same. And they're going to be missing Bosa. But even then, I'm, I'm just struggling to see us getting maybe three, four wins. I can't even see. I can see maybe two or three wins out of this next stretch. And if we can catch a team off guard, maybe I get a winner more. Yeah, we'll be seeing with the pick tracker, Ben. Uh, right now, I'm 0-4. I've picked them to win I'm every game they've lost. And I've picked them to lose every game they've won. So I think we're going to be unanimous, though, on this Chargers pick. Are we both saying that this is a slam dunk Chargers victory? I'm going to I'm gonna go with Chargers victory. And I think it, I, I want to be wrong. Let's just clarify. Josh and I both, whenever we pick against the Browns, we want to be wrong. Like, we want to be. But we're just going with what we feel is what's going to happen. And I feel like it's going to be... I, I think the Browns will keep it close the first half just because I think the offense is is it's good and I think it's that good it's good enough. Um but I think you're going to start seeing Brissett have to throw the more in the second half because the Browns will have given up a lot of yards and a lot of points and Brissett throwing the ball as a primary option is not what we want as a Browns team. We definitely can't fall behind late cuz yes. we know that they're going to abandon the run game at that point and that's our strength. So we need to yes. we need to make sure that we at least maintain the pace or get some early stops in this game cuz if they switch to just passing, I mean, we're already out of it. Yeah. We're not going to we're not going to beat Justin Herbert in a passing game. Yes, so I'm going to go with, uh, I believe the Chargers will win, and I'm going to go with uh, Chargers 27, and I'm going to go Browns 17. Um, but I will say I think it's going to be about like a 14 to 14 at at half um, or something like that, and I just think that the Chargers are going to have a better high-powered offense. And to be honest, I don't even worry about Herbert in some cases because 
I think they they might just run the ball against the Browns because the Browns seem to they can't stop the run or the pass, which Derek terrifies me. But once you give your prediction, I have a question for you, Josh. Do you think that if the Browns go out and get get beat pretty handily and the defense struggles handily again, would that be the end for Joe Woods? Yeah, I mean, it's something I've said before. It's like Joe Woods, I mean, this isn't anything really new for him. It's like, what's it going to take for Joe Woods to get fired at this point in my book? Because we've seen the collapse before. We've seen the terrible play calling in late game situations before. Uh, we've seen, I've, we've talked about it before. The Chargers are actually that team that I think we gave up 28-2 in the fourth quarter and lost. So it's like, what's it going to take for Joe Woods to get fired? Is it going to be more of the same? Because it seems like that's going to be good enough to keep him around. He's going to have to do something far worse. So... As far as what it's going to take, I'm not sure. But I do want to throw out the fact, Ben, the Chargers did give up 38 points to the Jags a couple weeks ago. So all is not lost. So I am going to go with a Chargers win here. Uh, Right now they are a three-point favorite, and I think it could be a close game. There's not really too many uh, multi-score wins in the NFL, as I've said in the past. But I think this is a game the Chargers can win something like 31 to maybe 24 31 24 so uh, a one point score oh what's our one touchdown one score, score game yeah so i would just say that uh even if i lose this one i will still be at least two games ahead of josh you so. are I, I really don't feel i mean if i want to gain any ground in you i got to pick differently but this isn't one of those games i want to pick cleveland to win right now see i was smart i just went with the browns all four first games so i could guarantee because i knew you're going to go a little opposite of me every once in a while we knew one of us was going to be pulling away here but yeah, I guess that's a that's a wrap on Cleveland Browns yeah, discussion. Uh, moving over to college football, but staying in the state of Ohio, Ben. Uh, yeah, Ohio State seems to be a team that's just winning in multi- like they're a team that can win in multiple ways. Yeah. They won with the defense week one, and I mean CJ Stroud may have played his worst game. We'll have to check the stats against Rutgers, honestly, statistically speaking, but it was the Mayan Williams game and. Mm-hmm. Trayvon, Trayvon Henderson is was running with him against Wisconsin, but this was Mayan's game with Trayvon being out. And I mean, what's what's your impression of this Ohio State team five weeks in? I know that we're there, we're not going to take too much away from the Rutgers result, yeah. but are you seeing the same thing as me? Where it's like Ohio State can basically win any way they want to right now. Yeah, you know. Josh, you know me, and you know that I've been very vocal on how I was very upset with Ohio State last year, um, and 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 David Cohn, all these guys that we've had on, I, I've been very vocal and said like I'm not proud of the way Ohio State defense played last year, even the way the offense played at times last year. And I think what happened, Josh, is I think there was a time in November last year when they got their butts handed to them by a team up north, and I think I really believe that this is what started this whole trajectory. Even the Utah game, I feel like, was just a hard-fought battle. But honestly, I agree with you 100% when I say this. I think this is a multifaceted team that we've never seen before at Ohio State, even more than national championship year. Like, you look at this defense. If you look at these linebackers, you have a former running back back there. You have a linebacker last year who had Steel a, Chambers and yeah. Tommy, Tommy Eichenberg, man. Well, They're look crushing at Tom, it. The thing is, Tommy Eichenberg last year, he had two games where he had zero tackles. Like he was a guy that everyone was like, this is the this is the guy that we can't count on. These two dudes have been the bulk of your defense. By the way, they've played every game this year without at least one of their top corners, with their their safeties all messed up, their backup corners all messed up because they've all been injured. They haven't had a secondary healthy, and yet by the way, they're still a top twenty defense right now. And so for me, 
at, not just as a Buckeyes fan, but as someone who loves watching college football, you love seeing these teams that go from no defense to to actually really solid defense. Now, I have to give credit to Jim Knowles. I mean, he's the MVP of the season right now. I mean, the way he's come in and just transformed this defense, and we don't even know if this is the full package. This could just be part of it, right? And so I do say that this this offense, what's scary about this offense, and I love talking about this offense, Josh, because this might be one of the scariest offenses we've seen ever. Um, LSU's higher than high state right now, but I think high state has a chance to reach that is that this team, by the way, just put out their second string running back. Some would say it's the first string, but I'm just going to say on the depth chart. And he ran for 189 yards and five touchdowns. I don't care if it's Rutgers. This Rutgers team was giving up in the top five in rushing defense. I mean, they were actually a decent defense. And also, it's a Big Ten. It's Div- Division One. I. I don't care who you are. You run for 189 yards and five touchdowns. That's impressive. And so... It's just because it's Ohio State. If it was Alabama, they'd be like praising Gibbs because he ran for 200 yards, but yet they they don't praise Ohio State. But that's besides the point. But what I will say is, is that I think Travion Henderson being injured, I don't want people to worry about that. From what I could tell and from what I read and different people's sources, it was more of a precautionary thing because he, he tweaked something before the game and they want to keep him healthy. Um, and supposedly he might be coming back this week uh, against um, – uh, who are we playing this week? Michigan State. Michigan State. Do I think they need him for Michigan State? No, but I will say this. Mayan Williams just looked at Travion Henderson and said, you you think you're the number one guy. If you watch Mayan Williams run the ball, it is one of the most amazing things you'll ever see. A guy his size making some ridiculous moves and then just bulldozing people at the same time. It's awesome. And on top of that, I, I want to talk about Stroud in, in a second separately. But Josh, I will answer this with uh, that's really my answer is just the fact that I think this this offense is so high powered. By the way, they scored 20 points or what, 21 points or whatever it was against Notre Dame. Um, and by the way, they're still the highest scoring offense in the nation right now. So, yeah, Josh, that's my thoughts. I'm going to talk about Stroud in a second. But I want to get your thoughts on what you think of Mayan Williams. And is he number one on the death chart? Well, after that game, Ben, Mayan Williams is fourth in the country in rushing touchdowns with eight, and he's ninth in the country in yards per carry with 7.8. So I think it is a legit argument, and I was kind of flirting with the idea of what's this backfield going to look like next year? Is Mayan taking off to the league? Is he going to stay, and then that's going to force Travion to enter the portal, or is Mayan going to portal somewhere else? Or does uh, Mayan and Travion both kind of – form a duo and Evan Pryor's the one that's transferring it's it's all discussion that'll probably heat up but once the season's over obviously but right now I think Mayan Williams has clearly been the better running back it's, yeah and some might say that Travion hasn't had a fair shot because of health reasons but when they're when they're both on the field Ben like even against the in the Wisconsin game I think Mayan Williams is looking like the harder runner the more physical back uh he has much more uh, I think it's yards after contact or broken tackles or one of those stats yeah like Travion's basically going down as soon as he gets hit and I mean that's kind of been Travion's MO is he's better in space yeah. he's more elusive but when it comes between the tackles like Mayan's so much better yeah and, and that's I, probably I, the guy that I would want to stick with as my top guy moving forward yeah, I, I, it's hard for me because we were all so high on Travion Henderson. And oh, I, yeah. I think he's, Everybody he's amazing. He's an amazing I thought he could have been the best back in college football exactly. last year as a freshman. I don't think – this is not take away from Travion, but at this moment, Mayan's what you need right now with the way this team plays. But I want to answer your question you said at the beginning when you said, was this Stroud's worst game? 
And I would say stat-wise, yes, right? Like he had 154 yards. He hasn't yards. been sub 200 yards very many times. He's only life. been, I believe it's like t- two or three times. No, twice, I think, because this was the second time, I believe. And this is the lowest total he's ever had, right? And so this is what I'll say about uh, Stroud. And if you guys want more analysis on that, go over to see Menace of Sports. Zach Smith did a really good breakdown on on on, on CJ Stroud. But my my thing for me about CJ is I think what happened, and I'll be honest with you, he has not had a consistent wide receiver group out there all year. He, I so think that's another thing that's playing yeah. into this. He, he's been in and out. You've had Harrison who at this is the thing. Harrison against bad teams has looked great against big 10 opponents. It's like, where did Harrison go? Right. The only consistent has been a Buka, but he was injured last week. So he only played a, few, a minimum amount of snaps. You had Fleming who's looked great, but he also was injured at the beginning of the year. So Stroud's really trying to feel this and, and Stover really wasn't in the action as much this past game. And so with CJ Stroud, I think he just needs to have more patience. I feel like CJ Stroud is forcing a lot and he's really trying to, it just seems the last two games, he's it's not been the CJ Stroud we know. It's not the guy who sits back there poised and just said, Oh, they're gonna give me the under two two yard, you know, out and I'm gonna take that or the screenplay or whatever. So my thing is is that the offensive line is doing great. i I believe this might be and I'm I wanna make a bold statement here, Josh, but I think this offensive line might be the best offensive line in the country. And then that's I, I'm not saying that as a high statement. I'm just in general watching all these different college teams. The way this offensive line has been blocking for both the run game and the pass game has been crazy. Has been incredible. But yeah, that's my biggest worry about CJ Stroud. Honestly, Josh, is that I think we hold him to such a high expectation, and the fact that most people will take a two touchdown, one pick, 154 yard performance, and your running back runs for 189. But as a high state fan, right, we hold him to such a high regard and this expectation that you have to be the greatest that you have to be the most amazing right and for me i have to realize that it's not that i have to bring down my expectation i have to understand that hey this is a process and and the ultimate goal is to win a national title and if winning a national title means you know he doesn't win the heisman or he only throws for three thousand yards but we we have two backs that run for over a thousand then that's what it takes and i think cj is going to get to that point when he's like i don't need to force these throws okay they're not giving me anything I take off and get a few yards scrambling, right? Right. We saw that. We saw that side of him. So really, Josh, I would say that I would be comfortable if, hey, he only throws for 3,000 yards this year, and he only throws for 25 touchdowns because Mayan Williams got 1,800 yards, Travion's got 1,000 yards, and the defense has played so legit that we can win every game by 25. But if you look at the teams that we should beat, Ohio State's beating these teams by a big margin. You look at Georgia. Georgia is struggling. Look at Alabama. They are struggling against teams that they should be beating by a large margin. That's why I still don't understand why high state is in that three and Georgia's ahead of them. I'm sorry. I don't care what you have to say about the Oregon game. That was a great win. Awesome. But I'll tell you this, you put this high state team right now against a Georgia team. I'm just saying it'd be, it'd be a, a very interesting outcome. It, yeah. It'd be tough to say. I think right now, uh, and to go back to what you said about Jackson Smith and Jugba being out, I think we're all, especially Ohio State fans, uh, waking up to that fact that these receivers, yeah, they're highly ranked, right? They were highly touted recruits, but it's going to take time for them to develop. Yeah. And we're, it's going to take time for guys like Ballard and Marvin Harrison and Buka to build that rapport with CJ. And I think that's uh, got to be playing into some of this because uh, we didn't see CJ make too many mistakes like this uh, when you had Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and JSN <laughs> all healthy. But 
now that uh those those two guys are in the NFL and Jackson's hurt. So now you got these new guys that he's having to work run the offense with. And um, I mean, with time, I think they're eventually going to get it down. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, it doesn't take as long as next year if you're an Ohio State fan. Because, yeah, like you said, if you got to go up against a team like Georgia right now, it's uh, that'd be an interesting matchup right now. But uh, any other final thoughts on Ohio State? Uh, I will just say that I mean we'll do the prediction at the the end like we normally do, but. I'll just say that I think this offense, Josh, I would not be shocked if by the end of the year they average over 50 points a game. I'm just going to put that bold statement. I would not be shocked if this offense averages 50 points a game. And I don't even do do a double bold take. I would not be shocked if this this Ohio State defense gives up less than 13 points a game if they keep playing the way they are. Definitely possible. But, uh, yeah, let's move to some of these other games that uh, we talked about. I'm going to move over to the SEC and open up with uh, Alabama with Alabama and Arkansas discussion. Cause this was a game that we I was call, sure Arkansas was going to come. I thought it was going to happen. And Ben, when you see stuff like Bryce young being injured and uh, oh. Bama only having a five point lead going into the fourth quarter, like this was, and this was at Fayetteville. So it was all set up for Arkansas to win. And of course, Alabama and they wins. did not get it done. Of course, Alabama. Dylan Milrow comes in the red shirt freshman. who He's looks freak, like Derrick Henry's way. son <laughs> comes freak. in, has some big runs, does enough in the past game. But uh. what I noticed was this is really a, the Jameer Gibbs game. I felt he had 18 carries, 206 yards, two touchdowns, another two catches for 20 in the receiving game. So thank goodness he got out of Georgia tech, I guess, but we'll see uh, what this shoulder injury to Bryce, uh, how serious it is, how much uh, it's going to affect him and his ability to return. Because let me read you uh, Alabama's schedule right now, Ben, because it's gonna get as hard. you know, being the sec, it's never easy. And just starting off this weekend, they got, got to go uh, against Texas A&M. That's a home game. Then they got to travel to Tennessee, and then they have a home game with Ooh. Mississippi State, and they got to go to LSU. That's their October lineup right now. And Ooh. again, even with Bryce Young, I think that's going to be tough for a healthy Bryce Young-led team to go, much less a Jalen Milrow team. But uh, did you notice anything in this game that stuck out to you, or was this really a, maybe Arkansas is not as good as we thought they were? Kind I mean, of situation. I think it's a combination. I don't think Arkansas is as talented as we thought they could be. I think, um, I think Arkansas blew their chance, and I think it's just it's a it's a natural thing. It's like a Bill Belichick or a Nick Saban coach team. They just somehow find a way to win, right? But I'll just say this: uh, is it Milrow, right? Milrow, Jalen Milrow, yeah. And I, I'll say this: if I'm an Alabama fan, I'm very excited about his athleticism. But if that's the guy that you want to be throwing the ball. Ah, that that's where that's where I'm like, you better hope Gibbs and you better hope that offensive line opens up holes for these guys. to It's run tough. Because, I think I think you're going to have to run more of like a Jalen Hurts style kind of yeah, offense because I mean that's to. the kind of offense that I think he's built to handle. I mean, the kid's big, Dude's super big, big, dude. And now that we know that Jameer Gibbs is capable of running like this, it's like we got to see more of him, I think. Yeah, especially think, with the with the how bad the receivers yeah. have been in Alabama. They just I, haven't been to what they usually are. I also would say that people need to halt the whole Heisman talk for uh, for Gibbs, and I'm not saying he won't be in there, 
but it was one game, right? Like we, it was one game. He'll have, have plenty see, of moments to yes. build that resume up. But right now, if the season were to end today, he's not going to be in my top five, no, as we'll no. get to later in the show. Yeah, for sure. But want to highlight a couple Arkansas stats because as good as KJ Jefferson is, it's the defense that's holding this Dude, team back. So, ultimately, Ben, so bad. Right now, they're 113th in second half oh. defense. They've been allowing 19 points in second halfs on average. Um, they're 114th in yards per play, given up at 6.4. They're 116th in yards per pass attempt allowed at 8.7 101st at yards per carry allowed at 4.9 and they're allowing 31.5 points per game overall which is 81st so it's like kj jefferson can do anything everything with uh, Jaden hazelwood and all the pieces that they got like i think it's sanders at running back that i had in my heisman watch list a little while ago but this defense is it's not you know gonna it help like? out it sounds just like the highest state team last year <laughs> it's like identical like really Maybe. good offense and the defense is just trash yeah but uh, that is uh, my Arkansas-Alabama recap. Why don't we flip over to you, Ben? Uh, I believe yeah. you had some games that you were going to lead discussion on. Yeah, you know, there were there were some interesting games. There first, were. Off, first, I want to talk about Michigan-Iowa just for a second because that was one of the ugliest games I've ever watched in my life. Like, honestly. Was and that was, so that was kind of the expectation, too. We it's didn't just, expect it to be anything pretty. We thought it might even be lower scoring than what it but, was. Josh, Michigan why, did manage to hit the over and cover, I think. Why do people think this Michigan team is going to beat Ohio State? I, I'm just I, I'm just trying to to wrap my head around that. I, I'm just curious because they're it's just they think this defense this, this I mean, sorry, this defense is so good, which yeah, they're good, but it was Iowa. Their offense is terrible. It's like one of the worst offenses in the country. And I just, I, I'm struggling to see where this team, if you put a high state in Michigan, both on paper and then on the field, I don't know if there's an event. Michigan maybe has a slight edge in some areas, but I just feel like overall, right. And that, that I guess that's just me being a high state fan, but it's also just me looking at the, the games, the last two games that Michigan's played. And I'm like, you finally played somebody and both games, your offense hasn't been the same elite level and your defense has been eh. Yeah, we, we knew that the that Maryland game and the Iowa game were going to tell us a lot because we we're going to see what Michigan's defense was made of, or made of against the Maryland offense. We we're going to see what the Michigan offense is made of against the defense. And here's a couple of interesting things, Ben, because while it is cool that Michigan held Iowa to 35 total rushing yards, they allowed Spencer Petros to top 200 passing I know. yards, which is the first time he's done that this season. So I thought that was worth noting. Did you say Petros? Um, did you is that say how you say his name, Spencer Petros? <laughs> I don't think it's Pete. I thought it was Petrus. Is it not Petrus? It, I've heard it a lot of different ways. I hear Petros the most often. It could be Petrus, Petrus. Petrus sounds like a Petrus. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe. But uh, either way, uh, Spencer, the quarterback of Iowa. Uh, <laughs> neither team had any turnovers. Each team only had five flags. Yeah. So I guess it was a clean game from that regard. Blake Corm went over 130 yards in this game and a touchdown. So helping his Heisman cause out, I guess. The yards also, I don't carry, think Iowa's defense not as high great. in this one. It's not the Maybe same not Iowa defense. Great. Yeah, it's not, not the, the elite defense. level that we thought last year that I was getting all the turnovers and stuff. Yeah. But one other thing I'm noticing from Michigan, Ben, is J.J. McCarthy. He is the starting quarterback, and we thought that this would give Michigan a higher ceiling offensively because yeah. of the ability that he has with his legs that Cade McNamara just doesn't have. 
through five games now, J.J. McCarthy has seven carries for 64 yards. So he's not been utilized as much yeah. in the run game as I thought he would. I'd like to see Michigan do a little bit more read options with him, maybe give him some bootlegs and put I him agree. in space so that he does have the, the ability to run. And I think in this Iowa game, he had five carries for like minus 14 yards. So maybe some sacks were involved in that. There were, uh, They yeah. do count sack yardage towards the rushing yardage. But yeah, he's J.J. just hasn't been shot. utilized as much in the run game. It's like, are they shot. using him as Cade McNamara? Like, did they change the playbook at all to make to, to make it more accommodating toward JJ? It's Jim I don't Harbaugh. Know, but it's Jim Harbaugh, yeah. really. <laughs> yeah. Shoot, but uh, Michigan, Iowa, there another Iowa. interesting game, Ben. Yes. Unless you had something else to well, add. To I was just gonna say, I, I'm sure you're gonna bring up the Clemson game because I think that's gonna be also interesting to talk about. Eventually, yeah. Yes. Okay. But, uh, I was just gonna move over to Kentucky, Ole Miss. Oh yes, that was a good game. This was a. The Will Levis game, yes. Uh, <laughs> two fumbles in the red zone by Will Levis on potential game-winning drives, uh, an illegal motion penalty that Which is pulled back him. another potential game-winning touchdown. Uh, their kicker, Kentucky's kicker, missed field goal and two missed extra points. So it's like this was Dude. a game Kentucky had every chance to win on the road and didn't get it done. Jackson Dart on the other side, 15 to 29 for 213 yards, no touchdowns and a pick. Uh, penalties, uh, total yards, first downs were basically about the same. But when you look at these mistakes, it was just Kentucky piled them yeah. up and Ole Miss didn't really have many. So I don't, I don't really know what to take away from this, Ben. Do we just say that uh, Kentucky's never going to make this many mistakes again and they're actually uh, a better team than what this game no. shows? Or do we say, actually, this just they finally played a team uh, that was more on their level and they weren't good enough to overcome those mistakes? I think it's a combination. I think Will Levis has shown that he's not necessarily – whoever said he's going to be the first overall first quarterback taken, I think they're just – they're on something. I don't know what they're on, but they're on something because – I. How do you okay as a quarterback? How do you not realize that your wide receiver is still in motion? Like you have to let him set. Like that's just a common thing. I played quarterback. I mean, anytime I sent a guy in motion, coach would always say like, "You have to make sure your guys are in set before you even snap that ball." Because if not, it's it it costs them the game. Like that was a play that cost them the game. Um, and I think also the fumble. Like, dude, you're 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 like a more of a running quarterback. Like, tuck that ball away. I don't care if it's a sack or not. Like you hold on to that thing like it's your life because you lease it up for a field goal. But then, oh wait, your kicker can't make a field goal to save his life. So, <laughs> I just think Kentucky, to be honest, ran into an Ole Miss team that was tired of being said that they were going to get beat by Kentucky in their home turf. And so, I think it's a combination of both. I do. I don't think Will Levis is as good as what people say he is. I have to see enough, and I don't think he's it's that right now. Yeah, initially, I. I kind of took away that uh maybe Ole Miss I mean we didn't really know much about them either and I kind of was initially going with that uh maybe Ole Miss is better than what people thought too we kind of got to see him against a good team but then I'm also the more I'm thinking about it uh, these last couple of days is like maybe Ole Miss isn't even all that either because it took all those mistakes for them to get away with exactly one. what happens when they got to go against the rest of the SEC West too so I guess uh maybe we learned something uh, maybe not as much as what we thought we would from this game about both teams. Still, that is true. To be uh, a lot to be uh, figured out there. But uh, why don't we go to that Clemson NC State yeah, game? Yeah, for sure. Because this was a game that uh, I think I we both picked NC State yep. on, or maybe it was just me. 
I did too. Okay, we both went NC State. We thought that Sam Hartman the week before kind of laid out the path uh, to tear up Clemson's defense, and instead Clemson's defense had a nice bounce-back game. Limited Devin Leary, really, what he was able to do. And again, Ben, uh, another big game. Uh, not as good against the one against Wake, but DJU is looking way better than he did last season. I mean, you want I don't know what's uh, what's going on here. Well, we thought Cade Klubnick might be the guy at this point in the season, but DJU's uh, kind of having a, a resurgence season. You know, Two back-to-back ranked wins for the kid. You know, I think he heard Zach Smith and Chris Drew basically bash the crap out of his offensive coordinator. I think the I think Streeter just like was hearing them guys talk about him and just was like, yeah, I'm done with that. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, in general, I think DJ is a kid that is super talented, as we all know. And I think finally what's happening is I think this pressure of like, oh, you're going to get replaced. I think it's not really pressure. I think he just sees it as like, look, this is my job. I'm going to lead this team to wins. And I think I never thought I would say this because, again, I had Clemson a couple weeks ago in my top five because I just had no other team to put. But if and you'll find out later as we do this, I'm looking at this Clemson team and going, if their defense is figured at least half out, at least if they're half better, right? This offense does look scary. And if he's running the ball like he is throwing the ball, I'm, I'll be honest with you, Josh, this Clemson team might be as good as what we thought they would be. Uh, I thought they could be, and I think they they might be leaning out towards that way. And I think Clay, uh, Cade might be looking at another school next year if DJ decides to stay another year, which I don't know what will happen. But DJU, though, I'm telling you, man, he when I watch him play, I'm like, man, there's a reason why he was a top quarterback coming out of the class, um, and he's just good. And I think Clemson is so much better with a guy that can do that. And when he's on the top of his game and the defense is playing well, and also Devin Leary, just kind of, he's just kind of faded from what everyone. That's another guy like Will Levis that had all the NFL hype going into the season. And we just really haven't seen him uh, develop into uh, the player that everybody thought he could be, or maybe he just never was that and just was overhyped. I don't, I don't know. I'm not the QB guru uh, to answer that question necessarily, but wanted to read some other uh, DJU stats that I've been uh, noticing from this game. And excuse me, I think I said 20 to 10, 30 to 20, still a 10 point win. That's still a 10 point I win. You still got had my mind. Yeah, I got that part right at least. But DJU, 14 carries, 73 yards, and two touchdowns. He's getting utilized in the ground game a lot more. Uh, that seems to be a trend lately. Uh, that first game against Georgia Tech, he had 13 carries for 19 yards. Uh, but since that point, I mean, the last week against Clem- or Wake Forest, too, he had 14 carries, 52 yards. So he seems to be uh, getting him more opportunities in the run game. And I mean, like you said, I'm excited for DJU. Uh, I thought he was kind of the victim of some, maybe some bad coaching. Just, I wasn't sure what was uh, going on. I didn't want to hate the kid, but it's like, it seemed for a minute there that he might've just been another overhyped recruit. But uh, one other thing I saw on Twitter, this was interesting. Tony Elliott, his offensive coordinator last year is the head coach over at Virginia now. So they got that guy out of there and now DJU's looking great. And Brennan Armstrong, who threw like 4,500 yards last year with Virginia is looking like a below average quarterback this year. And it made me think, you know, maybe, maybe it was just a good getting Tony Elliott out of the building. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. It is very interesting. I think also on top of that, I think I look at, you know, I look at Clemson and it's like, like you think Clemson and Dabo, you think Dabo is just going to like, you always just think every year when they have a, like a downish year, you're like, Oh, he's just going to fade away. It's like Dabo. No, I'm going to sign a 10 year deal and we're fine. We're going to win games. Everyone just, 
everyone doesn't like Dabo because it's Dabo, right? But I'm telling you, man, it, he's honestly, I would say he's in the top five of coaches right now. I mean, with Saban, with Ryan Day, with Lincoln Riley, um, with Dabo there and, and Kirby Smart. So I I just, you know, I would say, isn't it kind of funny how we've had all this argument about, you know, e- equality and, and football and all that. And most likely at the end of the year, most likely you're going to see probably Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State and Clemson, like or USC. Right. You're going to see the same teams just year in and year out. And it's funny, isn't it? It's funny what how it happens when they say it's Well, there's be- a good chance, and I heard Joel Klatt talk about this, uh, why so many teams seem to be uh, susceptible to, I guess, surprising losses, right? Like, I can't remember. I think it was like 10 of the top 25 or some crazy yeah. number like that ended up losing this week. And a lot of the times it was an upset. And why is that happiness? Like, you look at the recruiting and the gap that he, he mentioned, the gap between uh, Georgia and uh like usc in a total recruiting stats over like the last four years or like the total amount of like average recruit on your roster or whatever the gap between georgia which was i think third and usc which was 11 was the same gap as usc at 11 was to number 69 uh fiu i think was the team or something like that but it's just like that's how how wide the gap is from that top tier to that middle tier and it's something that we've been saying for a while when we talk playoff discussion too like why do we like the four team playoff because we kind of know who the three best teams are and then it's just kind of a crapshoot for that fourth but right now between four and 20 even it's like what really separates these teams we really don't know but clemson seems to be one of those teams that by the end of the year once the dust all settles maybe it could be 12 and 0 11 and 1 they're not going to get tested too much outside of they got Syracuse coming up. They got Florida state coming up. Uh, Miami doesn't look to be as scary as they initially did. So, I mean, Clemson very well could be one of those teams. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a great time. And I, again, I, I, man, Josh, I just love college football. Like this is why I love it. Cause it's just like, we can debate about this all day and it's just, and it's fun because it goes always on Saturday is when you see the action happen. You know, right, right, right now, like you, like, I think, you know, Georgia's, Georgia's a few plays away from losing a game and they're going to be not even in the discussion anymore. So I really believe right now in that college football, there are two teams right now ahead above everyone else. I think Alabama and Ohio state are way above everyone else. And I don't think there's anybody even, I think Georgia's right close there, but they're not really playing the same way. I think Georgia, I think Ohio state and, and Alabama are way above everyone else right now. Yeah. Well, I, I know we got uh, a lot more to talk about, so I wanted yeah, to, do unless you want to talk about another game uh, that was interesting to you, we can move on to the games coming up this week that are uh, kind of interesting. Let's uh, let's move on to the games this week because it's time for our, oh, it's time for our rapid fire. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it's not really rapid fire, but it is kind of rapid fire. So our rapid fire. We don't fire, go into as deep as we yes. could, but we also uh speed yeah. through it a little bit so we're going to give kind of so if you haven't been here if this is your first time and you're listening and you're like why are they doing all this really fast hey we try to rapid fire as many top games we can we give our score prediction and then kind of our th- our quick thoughts and then we move on to the next game so josh let's do this so initially i think before the season started everybody was excited about the red river shootout for this weekend mm-hmm. between texas oklahoma dylan oh, gabriel versus so quinn ewers and now neither team is ranked and kansas tcu is the only ranked Big 12 game it's so funny never this would have great. guessed that both teams are five and zero, oh, but right now uh tcu is a seven point favorite for this noon game at kansas ben you've been advocating for kansas to be yeah. ranked as a little bit more heavily than i have but 
They're finally in the poll. And will they make a great impression finally being in the top 25 or will TCU uh, walk away with this victory on the ground or on the road here? Oh, it's, it's Kansas. I, I, I believe in raw, hot, raw, hot, whatever that, whatever the chant is. Rock, chalk, Jayhawk. Raw, chalk, yeah, whatever. Okay. I am a big, I'm a fake fan. Yeah, that's right. Uh, No, I'm going to go with Kansas. I'm going to go Kansas uh, 35. No, 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 no. I'm going to go Kansas 42, TCU 35. I think it's going to be, it's going to be run and shoot. It's going to be a classic big 12 game, but I do believe that this Kansas team is a lot more legit than people are leading on to. I've watched them. I've watched their highlights, and this team is good. And TCU is good as well. But I also I believe Oklahoma is a very bad team that, sorry, Aaron Lynn, Johnny Gaunt, I'm sorry, but they're not as good as what you thought because I've watched them play, and their defense is atrocious. Classic Oklahoma. Yeah, we really thought after that Nebraska game the defense might have been fixed, but not the case. It's been blown up the last couple weeks in a row. Uh we are going to find out Kansas, man, and TCU as well, because both of them, I believe, still have to play the likes of Oklahoma State, uh, Baylor, and mm-hmm. schools like that. So, what do you got? Twelve is interesting right now. I think I'm going to take TCU in this, man. Oh, I mean, Kansas. How dare as you. much as I'd love to see Kansas win, dude. Like they're five and zero right now. They should be bowl eligible which is uh, amazing for them. But, dude, the way Max Duggan looked against Oklahoma, looked and really we're going to talk more about him later, I think. Oh, uh, oh. Little hint there, little hint. Ooh. But uh, I like TCU in this one, dude, and I agree with you that it's going to be high scoring. I think this yeah. is a game that could uh, look something along the lines of a 41 to 35 Ooh, or okay. even 38. I do like that one score prediction, though. Nice, that nice, nice. Vegas has for us. Next up. Um, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, let's move, or actually, let's stick into the Big 12 and okay. talk about that Texas Oklahoma oh, matchup because it is the it's Red so River bad. shootout, one of the biggest rivalries it's going to be in a college shootout. football. <laughs> it should be a shootout. Right now, Texas is a seven point favorite right now. Is it, uh, at, is yours, it at Texas? Is, uh, they play it at the Cotton Bowl. Oh, that's so right. They play at the Cotton Bowl. It's a neutral right. site yeah, yeah. game, but Quinn Ewers is neutral trending site. to be. <laughs> Right. Quinn Ewers is trending to be back for this game, okay. Ben. And uh, even if he's not, I mean, Hudson Card has put up some nice numbers against, I guess, uh, subpar yeah. opponents. But uh, anybody uh, seem to have an edge in this game, you, or do you think it's kind of a toss tie? Up? Can we just do it? I'm kidding. That's not in the college. Um, no, I think it's going to be, I'm going to, I'm throwing this out here and I might not even be getting anywhere close. I think it's going to be, I think Texas, I mean, Oklahoma is just reeling right now. And I think it's going to be Texas, Texas 56. Oklahoma, Whoa. 49, 56-49, and I believe it's just going to be whoever has the ball last. That's that's what I believe. Well, that's a shootout, dude. <laughs> so since I I think that uh, Texas definitely has a higher ceiling under Quinn, what he was doing against Alabama week two was awesome before he finally went out. Uh, but since we are 100% sure that he's going to be playing, I'm going to go ahead and give Texas 49 points and kind of go in the middle of what I think they could do with Card and what I, yeah. they could do with Ewers. I'm going to say they're going to win this game 49 to uh, 42. I'll go with that seven points. Dude, we're, but, we're on a yeah, roll here. Oklahoma, man, could be on their third straight loss here. <laughs> They're bad. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of what we should have realistically expected from mm-hmm. Oklahoma, right, with how Lincoln Riley kind of pillaged this is... the team in the portal, took a lot of his coaches with him, and it was going to be <clears throat> a little bit of a buildup with a new head coach like Brent Venables. Like, as good as a defensive coordinator he's been, Ben, this is – 
I think his first head coaching job in major college football, and it's going to take time for Oklahoma. I think they might have just surprised people initially with uh, how well they were winning and how the defense looked, because that was always the issue with Oklahoma. But I think we're starting to see that this is going to be a little bit of a process now to recover from last year. You know, Josh, this is why I say the rankings don't matter in the first four weeks because it shows really you don't. nothing. <laughs> I mean, how many teams go four no Ben and then end up losing once destroyed. the time season starts, right? Yeah. yeah. But uh that is all the Big 12 teams that I had yeah. on the agenda today. Let's move uh let's move a little more west and go to Utah at UCLA. That's UCLA 5 and 0 now. It is going to be interesting. Right now, Utah is a four-and-a-half-point favorite okay. uh, on the road. This is a 3.30 kickoff time, and UCLA's got a high-powered offense. We saw what they did against Washington. That was kind of a shootout right there, but yeah. Utah being in my top five power rankings right now. You better um, choose them. If you don't, I I'm going to jump through that I screen. am leaning towards Utah, Ben, but again, uh, if this is a game that Utah loses, I'll rightfully drop them out, just like I'm sure everybody over at Fifth and Gold dropped Oklahoma out after they got two losses. But I think this is a team that Utah can beat. Yeah. I think their offense is uh, – I mean, UCLA's weakness right now is defense, and I yes. like the Utah offense. And I like Utah's defense much better than UCLA's. So I think this is a game that Utah could realistically cover. And I'm going to go ahead and give Utah like a 38-28 to 28 win, I'm going to say. That's a good one. I will say UCLA's quarterback, uh, Thompson there. I, I Dorian Thompson yeah, Robinson, man. This that's is my a, thing about him, dude. though. This is my thing, though. I need to see more. Give me against a good defense. Give me against a team that I think if Washington's was a good team, they weren't. I don't feel like they're the top. Washington notch, is right? good. I think I yeah. think they're going to finish up like around nine and three, yeah. maybe once so, the year's all said and done. He's good, and I think if he has a good game, if I think if they go out and win and beat Utah, uh, I think you have him in the Heisman conversation. Uh, I mean, he's up there, but I don't think he's there yet. Um, but I'll say this about Utah. I think I agree with you. I've seen them play, and I think they've really been angry since that Florida loss. And they have. I think, I think Utah is going to win. I'm going to go uh, 42 to uh 25 uh, 24 sorry 42 24 yeah everybody was worried about utah after that week one loss to florida you were i mean you were right they're right back up to 11 i think in the ap this week and yeah. i think they're going to continue to trend up they're going to be just fine but let's move over there's a lot of big matchups going on in the sec ben starting off with yeah. tennessee at lsu tennessee is a three-point favorite right now at death valley for this noon kickoff That's a hard game. place to kick play it's a hard it place is to and I mean, outside of that first game against Florida State, LSU has looked like they've Look good. Yeah. some things up a little bit on their end. But Tennessee is one of the highest scoring offenses in the country right now. Hendon Hooker has both been in our Heisman finalist list. This could potentially be uh, another Heisman moment for him, just like uh, the win over Florida was. Uh, is this a potential upset, you think? Do you think Tennessee's defensive woes could maybe catch up with them in this game? You know... The thing is that Tennessee's in my top five, and I feel like I, just like with you with Utah, I got to stick with Tennessee, and I'm going to say they're going to squeak out a victory. I'm not, I mean, like literally squeak out a victory. I'm going to say it's 24. I'm going to, no, I'm going to go 28, 27. They're going to win on a last second touchdown or something like that, where they have to come back and and win. Um, but I think I believe in Hendon Hooker. I think he's the right now. He's the second or third best quarterback in the country. Um, and uh, I think, yeah, I think. 
Tennessee's going to go in there. They're going to pull out a win. And I think this could put Hendon Hooker right up there with CJ Stroud, with, uh, with Williams and with, um, and with, with young. So I, again, I think this is the the chance here. Mm. I am checking right now because I think uh, Jaden Daniels had to leave the game last week against Auburn with an mm-hmm. injury. So that is something that's uh, going to need to be kept an eye on uh, for LSU at least. Um, but I think this is a, a game that Tennessee can win for sure. Uh, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and say they're going to cover at LSU just because right now the LSU offense, uh, I mean, they could score some a little bit more points on Tennessee. We saw Florida do the same thing, almost beat them. Uh, the defense, I think, could eventually catch up to Tennessee. But as of right now, I don't think LSU's offense is one that's going to take advantage of that. And I think this is a game that Tennessee could uh, put up 40 in. Uh, I'll go ahead and give them a, a 42 to 21 victory, easily cover this. I mean, as, as tough as it is to play at Death Valley, it is a noon kickoff, not a night game. I think that the time of day affects it a little bit. Plus, since I don't know who's playing quarterback at LSU right now, I'm going to go ahead and say that Tennessee runs away. Mm. Hey, I don't disagree with you. Don't disagree. Yeah. Um, sticking in the SEC, we got Arkansas at Mississippi State. And the reason why I bring this game up is because if Arkansas loses this spend, that's three straight losses for the yeah. Hogs. But if Mississippi State does win this game, I mean – I've kind of uh, counted Mississippi State out. I've just always assumed count, like it's a typical the leech. Can't it's a typical the Mike. Leech. It's a typical Mike Leach team, right? Like they do a lot of air raid. The defense isn't that great, but boy, after they defeated Texas A&M last week, I realized how wrong I was because Mississippi State's defense actually ranks top thirty in a yeah. lot of categories. So it doesn't suck. They're running the ball a lot more than most Mike Leach teams have in the past too. And Will Rogers, maybe he's the guy, not Devin Leary or Will Levis, that uh, could be challenging for that next uh, top NFL QB spot behind Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. But I mean, I Mississippi State right now is a eight point favorite right now, noon kickoff, and I kind of like them to win this game, Ben. I I think that Arkansas might be on the on the verge of a downward spiral here. I don't know if this is the game that they can get back on their feet for. You know, I I feel like we're always a, we're agreeing with each other here, but actually I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Arkansas, and I, I think okay. I think uh, this is this is the perfect game for them. They're people are gonna already count them out. People are gonna say, hey, you can't keep up with Mississippi State. But hey, I think Jefferson. I think the boys are gonna surround everyone. They're gonna encourage the defense. I think they're gonna hype up the defense, um, and I think I'm gonna pull away with Arkansas. I'm gonna say Arkansas, ooh, twenty. No, I'm gonna say thirty-one to. Uh, 28. So Arkansas wins by three. I think they barely squeak out a win, but I think Arkansas, they need this one. I think they're Pittman knows they need this. Like they know what they mm-hmm. need. And I think they're going to come out with a win 31 to 28. Yeah. That's a tough one for me, but I think Mississippi state put up over 40 on Texas A&M's defense. And it's, that's a defense that I madly respect. So it kind of scares me how much Mississippi state could put up in this game. And I'm going to go ahead and say that they're going to cross the 40 point game mark okay. in this one as well. I'm going to say, Mississippi State 42 in this one. And I'm going to give Arkansas's offense a little credit here. I think it's a defense that's going to hurt them again, though. And I'm going to say it's like a 42 to 28 finish. Oh, something like that. Mississippi State covers. Uh, Sticking in the SEC, and speaking of Texas A&M, the Aggies are heading to Alabama, Ben. And right now, even with uh, Bryce Young's health status unknown, Alabama is a 24-point favorite for this 8 o'clock kickoff in Tuscaloosa. All right. Well, let me put it this way. Jimbo's still coaching, right? He is. 
Okay. Still the head coach, so, still ranked 105th, I think, in okay. scoring offense. So uh, I'm going to say Alabama uh, 45, uh, Texas A&M 17. Even with Jalen Milrow. Yes. I, as much as I was saying I was concerned about him, right? I just I, I don't believe in this Texas A&M team. Like, even defensive-wise, I think Alabama having a backup QB, I, this is the thing. I don't believe Texas A&M is going to be able to hold the ball long enough on offense to give this defense time to rest. Because I think what Milrow and Gibbs are going to do, they're going to do read option the whole game. I think that's what's going to happen. They're going to do read option. They're going to hold the ball. They're going to they're going to do what they have to. And I don't think Texas A&M's offense can get enough points on the board at slash hold the ball long enough to keep Alabama's offense off the field. Yeah, it's it's kind of tough for me to say. I I definitely don't think. I mean, we don't even again we don't even know who the quarterback is at Texas A&M yeah, because Max Johnson got benched, and yeah. I thought that was the kid that was going to turn the offense around. But it turns out that no matter how talented your quarterback is, they can't escape Jimbo Fisher's archaic <laughs> style of offense. What do you say in that press conference? Like the plays are there, they just aren't executing. It's like yeah, maybe your right. offense uh-huh. is just garbage. But <laughs> I, speaking of this, real quick tangent, Ben. I was thinking uh, with some of my buddies, I don't know if they're listening to podcasts right now, Alex and Tristan, but we were trying to think of the worst possible coaching staff that you could put together. And we came up with Jimbo Fisher as the head coach with Josh Gaddis as the receivers coach, Tony Elliott as the running backs coach, Tim Beck as the quarterbacks coach, and Brian Ferentz as the tight ends coach, Ed Warner, offensive line coach. And you could take your pick, honestly, who calls plays. I don't know who – I mean, Brian Ferentz would probably be the favorite for who calls plays the worst out of that. But it's like these are all guys that get a lot of credit, it seems like, for basically no reason. <laughs> but, Dude, oh, that's bad. Yeah, I'm glad that made you laugh. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that Bama wins this game. I don't think they're going to score as many points as you think just because, again, backup quarterback, and I think the Texas a and defense is a solid one. But I'm going to go ahead and give Bama I'll, – I'll give them 28 in this one. I think A&M – might be lucky to get 10. I'm going to go ahead and go 28-7 Bama. That's more humiliating. Not covering covering that 24-point spread, but yeah, I got you. Still a a very one-sided game. Let's see here. Did I have any more SEC matchups before we leave the conference? No. So last one I have here, uh, Florida State at NC State. Both programs are coming off a loss, Ben. Both programs are coming off their first loss of the season. Florida State losing to Wake Forest last week. NC State losing to Clemson the week before. Yeah. NC State's the home game. This is a night kickoff, and NC State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. What are we thinking? Because this is this is honestly the game that I'm most unsure of. If I was yeah. a betting man, this is the game I would not bet on. I, I would, out of all I'm, these seven. I'm leaning towards Florida State, and this is the reason. Because Devin Leary has not showed up at all this year. And what worries me is, is that where is that offense going to generate from? Um, and and I think I, I just think Florida State is just on this another level right now. They're just riding this this coattail, right? They're just they're kind of playing very well. Uh, do I think they're going to be beating Clemson? No, but I do think that they're going to be a very top team in the ACC. Um, but if Devin Leary can turn it around during this game, I think. I think NC State wins, um, but I, I'm going to actually. My gut tells me to go with Florida State. I'm going to go Florida State uh, 35. I'm going to go NC State. Oh no, actually, you know what? I'm going to go Florida State 38, NC State 31. See, it's a tough one for me because NC State's defense is uh, one of the better ones I think in college football right now. And when you look at a uh, Florida State's offense, I mean, 
we neither of us think very highly of the Wake Forest defense, and no. Florida State only put up so. 21 on them, and that was with a healthy Jordan Travis. So it's like, okay, if they can only get 21 on Wake Forest, what could they do against NC State's defense, which we think, which I think at least is actually very good. And there is also kind of like a pretender element to Florida State too, I think, because of all the mistakes that LSU made against them week one. Louisville almost got him if it wasn't for uh, some mistakes that, that Louisville made late in the game. Uh, but again, a win is a win. If you're Florida State, this is a resurging year for them. They've been bad for a while. But if I was the, I think the, the home field advantage for NC State might be enough here. And uh, that three and a half point spread, I mean, I'm, I'm going with a three-point win here for NC State. I'm going to go ahead and give NC State a 27 to 24 win. Ooh, that's nice, nice. We we just we do on opposites today. We um, are. <laughs> do we have that any of the big? Do we have any in the Big Ten? Do we have any games in the Big Ten? There really wasn't many exciting in the Big Ten. What about I'll the Ohio State. A, we should do the I'll High State the conference schedule. Do, is there really anything to talk about with Ohio State? Yes, this week we have Michigan to give State? a score prediction. Okay, we have to give a score prediction. Like I'll, I'll read you all the Big Ten matchups going on. They're all right bad. Now, okay, this week they are pretty bad. None of them seem very uh, noteworthy. But Iowa at Illinois, Michigan or Illinois Ohio State. State though. They look they look so so far. Ohio State at Michigan State, Wisconsin at Northwestern, which reminds me, Paul Christ fired yes 16 million dollar buyout which tops scott frost's 15 million dollar buyout i will say i know why they did that and i have a really funny and this is my little like conspiracy theory they always wanted jim leonard to take over and this is the perfect opportunity to like get him in before the end of the season when you were going to fire him and then we're going to fire chris and then jim leonard's out there looking for a job and because he's been he's been going to di- he's been going to different interviews the last two years he's the perfect opportunity for jim leonard to to impress the, over these next few games uh and and see what happens it is true so if you do think there's a chance that jim Leonard can be the head coach and you do know that paul chris ain't the guy next year I mean, this is kind of like the audition for Jim, right? To see exactly. how he does. Exactly. But uh, Paul Chris, man, I mean, he started off great when he got hired in 2015. He went 10 and 3, 11 and 3, 13 and 1. Yeah. And then since then, he's gone 8 and 5, 10 and 4, 4 and 3, 9 and 4, and now 2 and 3. So, I mean, he set himself a pretty high pace, even for Wisconsin. But I think if you're with the Wisconsin Athletic Department and you're looking at the rest of the Big Ten West, you're thinking, man, if you should run we should, there's no reason that we shouldn't run this division, that we shouldn't go 10-2 every year and be playing you know, Ohio State or somebody like that in the Big Ten Championship game every single year. And at least since uh, 2019, I don't think they've made the game. So no. yeah. Northwestern's made it more than them. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So, and they're playing Northwestern this week at Northwestern. So yeah, other, other games going on, uh, Purdue at Maryland, Michigan at Indiana, and Nebraska at Rutgers. Yeah. Oh, Nebraska Rutgers is gonna be a great game. Um, no, uh, no, I would just say about the highest state game. I think this one's gonna be entertaining because CJ Stroud's playing, and you're gonna have all these guys playing. But uh, I just want to give a quick score prediction. We won't talk about a lot about it, but I'm gonna predict a high state drops. A I want to say the offense is gonna. I think here's my two bold predictions for the game. Highest state w- wins sixty three to ten, and mm-hmm. I believe CJ Stroud throws for four hundred yards. I think he's going to have because the Michigan State pass defense is atrocious. If you look it's at their bad. stats, it's so it's bad. bad. He's going to throw 400 yards, and Mayan Williams is going to run for 100. Those remember, are my I th- predictions. Remember, I think it was week three that you flirted with putting Michigan State in your oh, top shut five. Up. Just shut up. <laughs> I just shut have up. to bring that up because we all have that one team that we've been dead <laughs> wrong about. <laughs> oh, Yours was Michigan State. I think mine's was Notre Dame. 
maybe even Florida, you could say, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Michigan State, man, yeah, man. If you're if you're a Michigan State fan right now, dude, are you sweating so that you gave Mel Tucker a hundred million dollar extension? <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's it's crazy, man. Why? Like, is he still in year three? But yeah, but it's still. uh. It doesn't look like they're heading in the right direction. They when don't. They haven't developed when your quarterback's any, name is Peyton Thorne. <laughs> they haven't developed any kind of pattern of recruiting. They are still relying too much on the transfer portal. And Mel Tucker, a defensive back's background, has one of the worst pass defenses. So it's kind of odd to me that, that that's been going on. But, yeah, that's kind of uh, the game's coming up. Uh, why don't we go ahead and move to our power ranking update and Heisman list? Dude, let's do it. So um, I got guest picks this week from Blaine Crane, one of our past guests from uh, the Daily Wire show. We'll go ahead and uh, read off his list first of yeah, top five it. teams. So he's got Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, what? Clemson, and Tennessee for his top five right now. Based on your reaction, Ben, I think you have a problem with uh, some of those. Why does he have Georgia at one? Blaine, I just want to know. Georgia's like, at you one, can, yeah. If you can just, if you can like message us or like message me, DM me, or I don't care, do a video response. I don't mind. We can share it on our on our Instagram page. Please tell me why you have Georgia at one. I know I did last week, but that was before this week. So I just, I'm just curious. That's probably the one, the one that upsets me the most. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I mean, I I think he's probably uh, relying on the win over Oregon and the, the big SEC, win over South Carolina probably. that they had, but. That's got to be a and the defending champions. But I think we are moving enough into the season now that everything that happened last year in the preseason, any kind of preseason thoughts uh, basically now are irrelevant at this point. The other thing that sucks about the picker segment is that they're not here to defend themselves or explain. So we're just that's okay. putting That's right. thoughts, I guess, in Blaine's head right now. But yeah, we would. Uh, that's his top five, though. Uh, I'll go ahead and segue into my top five. Okay. So yeah, yeah. George has been my top team the last few weeks and uh I think it is worth noting, Ben, that Georgia only had one game last year that was a one-score game, and that was the Clemson game week one. Everything else, they were winning by at least two scores until they lost that championship game to Alabama, and then until they played Alabama again, the national championship. I think that game was two scores, depending on how you look at it, with two-point conversions involved and stuff. But Georgia already, Ben, they've allowed 20 points twice now, right? They allowed 20 to Kent State, and they allowed 20 to Missouri. They only beat Missouri by four, so I think there is kind of a reason to think that uh, – I mean, this Georgia team definitely isn't as good as last year's. We knew that, at least defensively, but we thought what was going to separate them was maybe the offense, and we're yeah. seeing the offense kind of lag right now. So, And you can even say the same about Ohio State with C.J. Stroud, right, with Jackson Smith and Jigba being out, uh, C.J. looking a little off. But like we said uh, at the start of the show, I think Ohio State's proving that they can win games in multiple ways, and I think that's uh, what ultimately separates uh, the great teams from the good teams. So I'm bumping up Ohio State to number one, Georgia number two right now. And then Bama, uh, without Bryce Young, I'm going to go ahead and uh, – kind of do a little mixture of what they could be with Bryce when he comes back eventually and then what they've done and what they could be with Jalen Milrow. So I'm just going to leave him at three for now. Yep. I'm going to have USC at four. That's been the staple. Yep. And then I almost dropped Utah out and put Clemson here, Ben. But stick with because them, I think Clemson, I think Clemson has been uh, proving yeah. themselves that uh, they are a respectable fifth. But I'm going ahead with what I've been saying about Utah and leaving them at five for now. Yeah. Hey, I love it, Josh. I love it. You didn't really change much. Mine, 
is all the same teams, but just the order switched. So okay. for me, Blaine Crane, you can listen to me right now. Okay. You see me on the screen. Okay. Uh, Georgia is not number one. Okay. That's just not, I'm sorry. And this is not coming from a high state fan. I know everyone's gonna be like, well, Ben, you're an Ohio state fan. So that's why you're putting a high state number one. No, I think is they, that how honest- they talk. Yes. That's how they talk. Uh, <laughs> I honestly believe Ohio state is the best team in the country. I think, Overall, right now, if not, I'm not saying in the future, I'm not saying in four games, I'm saying right now, I'm not like just right now with a quarterback that's healthy, with a defense that's looking really good, with a with a offense that's looking very, very good. Um, I think it's the best team in the country. So Ohio State's at one. You look at the numbers, they have the best overall offense pretty much in the in the country. Um, and number two, I have Alabama. Uh, I believe Alabama is, uh, even without Bryce Young, they showed that, hey, we can get it done. We can run the ball if we have to and just run it down your throats. Kind of reminds me of like Mark Ingram and that whole era where if you don't have a great, a super, super great quarterback, but yet you still have a solid run game. So Alabama two, Georgia at three. Again, you gave up 20 points to Kent State. You squeaked by Missouri. And when I mean squeaked by, you squeaked by Missouri, um, uh, which is which is something else. By the way, Josh, we never did talk about the whole Shiano-Ryan Day scuffle uh, at the end of the game with the punter. That was hilarious. We'll go to that at some point. You, you can probably hear my thoughts at some point on that. But, and then at four, I still have USC. I believe USC is the best team in the Pac-12. They actually, I believe, Josh, they are the best team uh, um, west of the Mississippi. Okay. Um, so I believe USC is number four. And then number five, I have Tennessee. Again, I think just Tennessee. I know a lot of people have Tennessee in their top five, but I just believe Tennessee is a team that is proving it over a week a week, week in, week out. Um, and I think this week will be another big test for them. But again, Clemson's at number six. They're just right behind looking in uh to take over that spot for me. So Tennessee number five. Yeah, that's my that's my group. Tennessee, Michigan, Clemson, like all these teams that got great cases, we're going to learn a lot about them as the year yes. goes on. But uh, that's the power rankings. So let's move over to the Heisman. Absolutely. And this is uh, it's gonna get what mixed Blaine up has for his Heisman. We'll read off his rankings. So number one, Bryce Young. Oh. Gosh. Number two, C.J. Stroud. Number three, Hendon Hooker. Number four, Caleb Williams. Number five, Adrian Martinez. Oh. Uh, I like the Adrian. I like the Adrian. I said that last week. I did say he was on my watch list last week. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. I can do it. We both love Hendon Hooker. We both love CJ. Uh, We probably would switch the spot that CJ is in right now. But uh, like, I just, the whole Bryce Young thing, Blaine, again, you're not here to come on on the show again and you can talk about your your thoughts. But no, I, I guess with Bryce Young, it's like he's injured. He hasn't really been the Bryce Young of last year. So I really struggle keeping at one. And again, it's not about, again, these are not like what, I mean, obviously this is what he thinks, but I, I, again, you'll hear mine in a second, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just, eh, that, that that's the only thing I have issues with his. Yeah. Yeah. Bryce is interesting because if he ends up missing multiple games, uh, he hasn't looked like himself. He's really running on, I think mostly the fact that he's the defending Heisman winner. Yeah. I don't. I think if you take that away and you just look at this season in a vacuum, it's it's really nothing. Uh, nothing to really be, be be wild about. You know what I mean? But uh, mine, man, it's tough, dude. Like I got CJ number one, but I think the gap is closer than it's ever been, and that's just because the last two games he hasn't looked like himself. Right? The against Wisconsin, he was a little off on some of his throws. Uh, wasn't as accurate as he usually is. Uh, and then against Rutgers, I mean, the numbers, you know, you're only going like 150 yards, but 
Uh, some of these issues might be a result of some receivers. Like we said, Jason's been out. So we're going to see eventually if uh, that is the case. We're going to give CJ a chance to bounce back. But when you look at his overall numbers, Ben, I mean, he's got a he's first in touchdown percentage. He is second in total QBR, third in touchdown passes. Uh, his yards per attempt is also third. So there's still a lot overall to love about CJ Stroud. My number two, I'm sticking with Hendon Hooker here, even on his bye week. Um, that, that also brings up the fact that, I mean, this was a week for CJ to really break out, right? With Bryce Young being injured, with Hendon Hooker being yeah. on a bye week, this was like the week for CJ to really uh, step away from that pack. Gap, he really yeah. didn't do that, so it's kind of disappointing to see that. But I'm leaving Hendon Hooker at seven. I'm not going to penalize him for being on a bye week. Still 10.6 yards per attempt, which ranks second. He's got 71.7% completion rate, which is 10th. And he's got Tennessee scoring some of the most points in the country. So I'm leaving him at two. Now, this is where it gets interesting, Ben, is three, four, five. Last week, I had Michael Penix, I think, at three. Uh, he finally made some mistakes against UCLA through a couple interceptions. And as a result, his team lost. So now that Washington's undefeated, I'm not really feeling him anymore. But we're going to go ahead and bump up Drake May from four to three here because Drake May Sorry. does have a lot of numbers. Drake May first in total touchdowns, first in passing touchdowns, yeah. fourth in QBR, sixth in passing yards, ninth in yards per attempt. There's a lot of numbers here to like about Drake May. And if his team ends up going 10 and two or nine and three, I think he could be the Kenny Pickett equivalent uh, being invited to New York yeah. solely based on the numbers he puts up. Number four. This was a guy that made my preseason list that has been out since, but he is making another appearance, and that is Blake Corm. Ooh. Blake Corm is back, and he's doing exactly what I thought he could I do. I made fun of you. I'm sorry. Josh, I want to apologize. I want to make a formal apology to Josh. <laughs> uh, I did bash him mainly because I thought he was outlandish, but you know what, Josh? Maybe you were right. Okay? I'm sorry. And the only reason I dropped him out for that first initial week was just because his volume wasn't there. He was getting yeah. like 10 yards or 10 carries a game, but he was averaging eight yards a carry. And it's like, we really don't know what kind of a back he is against teams like this. So I dropped him out for those reasons. Cause there's some other guys that are looking a little bit more impressive, but Blake Corm right now is first in rushing touchdowns and fourth in total rushing yards. If you do that at a school like Michigan, Ben, and you go 11 and one, or do I say 12 and 0? <laughs> You're getting an invite to New York. All right. And that's the end of the show. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Kidding. But yes, Blake Corm at four. And then number five, you heard me hint at him earlier. No. Let me say it again. Max Dugan, baby. Oh. Max Dugan right now is first. Max Dugan is first in yards per attempt right now. He is... um, also throwing up wow. 74.5% completion rate, which is third. He has a 90.7 QBR, which is third. Uh, he's got uh, 11.7 touchdown percentage. Like the dude is, I mean, he's killing it right now. He's he's running well. He's throwing well. There's a lot here to like about him. He's undefeated in the Big 12 right now. We're going to see uh, – I, mean, I guess we're not going to see what he's made of against Kansas because the defense isn't the greatest. But we're going to see what he can do against another ranked team, Ben. He tore up Oklahoma. I think he can do it again against Kansas. You know, I, you're, you always come up with just the – it's always one every week, Josh, that you just throw out there and you just decide to go in all in. And, hey, you know what? I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, but my list has not changed too much. I will say I don't have too many surprises outside of Brock Bowers. I'm sorry, Brock. You've you've left my list. You, mm. you okay? You made me really hurt last week. So, um, no, CJ Stroud. I believe is number one. I, I I will say this after the two struggle weeks. This week, you'll see if CJ Stroud is truly the CJ Stroud we know. 
if he struggles this week against Michigan State, you hear it here first from an Ohio State fan, okay? I want everyone to understand that. If you, you will see him drop in my rankings. If C.J. Stroud struggles, you will see him drop in my rankings. I believe this is the game he has to be at his best, and he has to he should dominate this game. Um, so there's that one. Two for me, still Hendon Hooker. I believe he is the second-best quarterback in the country, without a doubt. Um, just overall great quarterback, uh, great numbers. You look at his numbers, they're really amazing. Three for me is Caleb Williams. I mean, you look at his numbers. He has he only threw his first pick this week. Um, he has 12 touchdown passes, one pick. Um, his QBR is 80, 85.8. I mean, overall, Caleb Williams is just looking very, very good. Shocking me, but he's looking very, very good. Uh, number four for me is not Bryce Young. Last week I had Bryce Young. Bryce Young is not in my top five anymore. Yes, Josh, I've went there. I've went there. I didn't think I would. Um, but partly because of the injury, um, but four for me is actually Drake may. I believe Drake may is a guy that I agree with you. His numbers are just going to be those guys that he's probably going to throw for 50 touchdowns. Probably it's just and, too good to ignore. Right. Yeah. And he's not doing it at exactly. a G5 or an FCS school. He's doing it. I mean, in a P five conference respectfully. So yeah, like, and, it, and it's, and it's one of those things where it's like, it's, it's weird to like, uh, like not have a guy that has that good of stats, not in your best player in football award, you know, North Carolina would be undefeated right now. If they had a defense, man, if they had a defense, well, it's, it's like Mac Brown's teams. They gave up over 40 to Notre Dame, dude, that says it all. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, it's interesting to see. And, and I was interested to go, where am I going to go with number five here? I'm not going to do Blake, Blake Bowers. Um, I would do Blake Corum, but I just, my gut won't allow me. Um, so I, I would say for me, it's going to be, um, I'm going to kind of agree with uh, Blaine. I'm actually going to agree with you. And I, I it teased Adrian Martinez a few times last week and I didn't really put him in. I said, he's right there next, next door, but um, I'm actually kidding, Blaine. I'm just kidding. It's not going to be Blake Martinez because not Blake Martinez. You're wow. saying all kinds of made up names, man. I know. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> what, did I, what did I say? No, Adrian Martinez. Sorry, why did I say Blake Martinez? That's a NFL player. That's besides the point. Uh, Adrian Martinez. He is on the outside of my end. I'm just joking, Blaine. I'm kidding. Um, he's on number six for me, but number five for me is actually DJU. DJU has hit my top five, okay. and partly because I mean, you look at the last few games, Josh. He's looked like a Heisman candidate. If you watch the games, he's looked good. Um, he's made some big throws. So uh, I'm sorry, Blaine. I just had a mess with you. Um, but no, uh, Adrian Martinez is probably six. Blake Corm's also up there. But you know who I'm throwing up there? Uh, Jameer, is it Jameer Gibbs? Is that his? Jameer Gibbs, that's yeah. his name. Jameer Gibbs is at eight for me. So it's kind of like those three guys will be next for me. But I have DJU right up there at number five. All right. You know what would be fun at the end of the year to see how many different players made our Heisman rankings as the season went on, see who had we the should. longer list because that'd it's be like crazy. The Browns, it's like the Browns quarterback uh, jersey. <laughs> That's the way it would be like, yeah. Um, CJ Strouds and Hook, Hendon Hooker, I think, have been staples for me each week. I don't think they've left my top five. Neither. Drake May has been here for a little while now after three weeks. I mean, after think week three, he made it and he has stayed. Blake has been here a couple times now, and this is the first time for Max Duggan. But other time, people I think have been one and done are like Mo Ibrahim was here one and done. I had Braylon Allen once. Yeah, you did. I had a Sanders from Arkansas here one and done as well. I had had Devin Leary here preseason. That ain't the case anymore. So I had Bryce Young here too, and he's gone now. So, yeah, there's been a – the list is growing, and I hate to kind of see it grow, but I'm also willing to change it if I see new guys uh, prove themselves. So, 
You know, I guess you that know, is uh that's football, Josh. And uh we we are this is gonna be a long episode, so all of you listening, you guys are true warriors. Um, but we're gonna do uh baseball, right, Josh? We're gonna finish up with we baseball. are because it is October, the greatest month of the sports year and we got the mlb playoffs underway starting actually this weekend ben with the wild card round now at the time we're recording it's tuesday so we don't know the set field and the matchups but we do know the teams that are going to be playing in the playoffs so in the american league we got the astros the yankees the cleveland indians and the blue jays rays you emphasize that josh jerk (laughs) the blue jays rays and mariners (laughs) in the american league for the wild card and then out in the national league we got the dodgers the cardinals the braves the mets phillies and the padres you know you know who you didn't hear in there is the reds because they suck sorry i had to get one more in those of 61 year. and 99 with okay, a negative 154 it. run differential <laughs> man just well bad, man. if it makes you feel better ben the negative 154 run differential was not the worst in the national league is the Pirates probably right? No. The Pirates the have a negative 227. The Rockies have a negative 173. And the Nationals have the worst. They're at 235, negative 235. Oh, yeah. I missed them too. They're negative 235. The A's are minus two, 204. And yeah, there you have the Reds it. Are just, the Reds just suck. Okay. They just suck. That's <laughs> just what we'll go with. You said it, not me. I tried to I tried to paint a brighter picture, but there's no bright picture, you man. You know what? The Reds are the worst team I've ever seen, Ben. Dude, just do it, okay? It's fine. <laughs> but since we don't really have the field set, we're not gonna be making predictions yeah. round by round, but we would like to uh talk a little bit about teams that we do like, like maybe our American League favorite and our National League favorite, basically say who we think is gonna play in the World Series when it's all said and done yeah. and why, and maybe give one little dark horse candidate okay. uh that could be maybe the second team coming out. All so right. so got it. So two teams for the World Series or one team? Who's gonna win it? Two teams, one okay. from the American, one from the National. Who okay. we like right now out of the yes. American, who we like out of the National. And then we'll give two uh, or one alternative in okay. each one. Yeah, like who so, can maybe come out of the American National. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, in the American League, um, my team for the American League, I I, I was tossing. I don't believe the Yankees are going to be – I it's the Yankees. Like I feel like they just never they, – they get to a point in the playoffs and it's just like at least lately, maybe not in the past, but lately – it just seems like they're they're so inconsistent at times. Um, Josh, I want to make you happy right now because I want to actually say, I I'm just kidding. I'm not going to say the Indians. Um, no, I believe the Guardians. I want to say the Guardians will be my dark horse for the for the the American League. The reason okay. is is because I believe their pitching is going to uh, their pitching is going to get them there. Their bullpen is on another level, and so I believe that the Guardians for me will be the um, the dark horse for me in the in the American League. But I'm actually going to – I'm not going to say the Yankees, actually, for me as a World Series favorite. Um, I'm actually going to say the Houston Astros. I just believe the Houston Astros have a very complete team. They have a very good – I hate to say the Astros because I feel like they're always – they're always up to something, but um, I think Verlander's the best pitcher in baseball this year, at least in my opinion. Um, and I think their hitting is going to be there. Um, but yeah, so I want to say Astros out of the American League. My dark horse in the American League would be the Indians, and mainly the Indians because I think they're just they're they're not. I don't think they're good enough yet to be a favorite to win it, but I think they're talented enough to be competing up there with them on the uh, National League. Um, 
I would love to say the Reds, but I can't. Um, I think uh, I cannot say the Dodgers because I they're literally the best team in baseball. So <laughs> it's going to be the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are just they're they're just unreal. Like honestly, they're just one hundred and ten really wins and counting. Yes, it's unreal. Um, so I'm gonna have the Dodgers, and then my my um, my dark horse is actually the St. Louis Cardinals. I think there's just something about a story. When you have mm-hmm. three guys retiring, and it, it always happens in sports, it's like these guys somehow end up late. And I think does I end will up say, I think depending on how the series, I don't know how the series are going to look, but I would love to see a St. Louis Cardinals versus Dodgers NLCS, and then um, I think I think the Cardinals have a shot. They do. I think with Albert Pools playing the way he is, and you know Goldschmidt and all these guys, I think the Cardinals for me are my dark horse. Josh, what do you think about mine, and what are yours? <laughs> So I'll start off in the American League, and I'm kind of with you with the Astros. Uh, as good as the Yankees were looking at All-Star break. They're struggling. They they haven't looked like the same team in the second half. Yeah. Still very good, just not the same team. And like you said, the, the struggles in the postseason um, aren't really helping uh, change my mind, I guess. You could say that's an Aaron Boone issue. You could say that's, a, uh, I guess, a player issue. Maybe they just don't play well in the, when yeah. it gets cold. I don't know what it is, but – also props, to the, also props to the Orioles for finishing above last place. Yeah, and they traded away all their best players at the I deadline <laughs> at the same time. But I love the Astros out of the American League, yeah. and I'll tell you why. It's a lot of the same stuff you said. Uh, pitching is seems to be the most important thing when it comes to postseason, and the Astros got it. The starting rotation, uh, first and quality starts. So I think that's like a quality start is six innings and three end runs or less, something like that. Uh, they're first in that. They also got the bullpen. The bullpen is leading the MLB right now in K-9 rate and ERA. Uh, they're also second in whip. Hits allowed, first in ERA, first in home runs allowed, so like the least, I guess, and saves. So it's like you want to look at a staff that's built to win the World Series. The Astros might have it, dude. Not yeah. just the starting rotation, but the bullpen stack too. And for Dark Horse, since this is like Dark Horse, I'm not going to say the Yankees because I think that'd be a popular pick. I'm going to go with Cleveland, like you did as well, by staying here. But let me tell you what Cleveland can do. Uh, and the reason I don't think that they're a serious contender this year is just because the youth, there right? I think they started 14 or 15 rookies this year, and they added more as the year went on. They got Bo Naylor up catching now. I don't know if he's actually going to be on the playoff roster, but he's one of the top prospects. And if he's a catcher that can hit above 200, that's really awesome for Cleveland because we just love catchers <laughs> that hit sub 200. But, hey, they block every pitch behind the plate and gun guys out trying to steal. So I guess that's what they look for in a catcher and could care less about how he bats. But that's another discussion. A little salty there. Day. Yeah. I hate Cleveland catchers, dude, how they just view that position, man. But let me tell you, Cleveland, man, if there was ever uh, a team that you could point to in MLB and say that team plays small ball, they're classic, it's Cleveland. And I'll tell you why. They're first in contact percentage. So this team ain't swinging and missing. Fewest in strikeouts, so they're putting the ball in play. They're third in stolen bases. They're seventh in hits. They're second in the clutch, which is very important in the playoffs. Uh, Fifth fewest in pull hitting, so you can't really shift them much. 
and their third and sacrifice bunt. So this team does all the small things, right? Like they get hits, then they're willing to move them around with the sacrifice bunts and with stolen bases. Uh, they're not like a pull hitting team, so you can't really defensively shift against them. So in terms of all of those things, they do very well at. And then they got the pitching, like you said, they're fourth in saves, uh, fifth in ERA and whip. Uh, the fifth fewest walks allowed. They're sixth in quality starts and also sixth in opponent batting average. So I've been saying about Cleveland. I mean, they're a team that makes contact. They're not a team that's uh, driving in runs. They're not a power hitting team. They're uh, they're a contact hitting team. And if they can uh, maybe do more of these small ball uh run produce or produce a little bit more of these small ball runs i think that could be enough to get them not only out of the wild card round but hey maybe even they can go and beat a team i think they would uh if they get out then they'd be playing houston it depends on uh, all the seating uh, that goes into it but a houston cleveland series would be interesting just from the pitching perspective but that's kind of my uh my predictions coming out of the american league and in the National League, dude, it's so tough to pick against the Dodgers right now, right? 110 wins and counting, like I said, that's the seventh most all time. 330 run differential, by the way. Yeah, Stupid. it's a, it's like over 100 more than the next team, which Stupid. I think is New York. But uh, not in of the 15 winningest teams all time, Ben, have won the World Series. The Dodgers could be that 10th. So it isn't a lock that they're going to win it all, right? Because the Mariners even, 116 yeah. wins in 2001, they didn't win it. Um, they're finally getting back in the playoffs. They haven't made the playoffs since yeah, that 2001 true. team. So shout out Seattle and uh, what the work that they've been able uh, to it's do. The, but... It's the Seattle Reds, pretty much. So, <laughs> yeah. Let me point to some things on the Dodgers, though, that I mean, make them almost a lock on paper to make the World Series, right? First in OPS, first in on base percentage, first in total bases, first in RBIs, first in runs, first in runs created, first in war, uh, first in ERA. Uh, fewest hits allowed by pitching staff. They're first in whip and they're first, like you said, in run differential. It's like, what are they not first in, right? Like on paper, the Dodgers look to be that team. The only thing that would keep me maybe from saying that they won't is Dave Roberts. We've seen this guy yeah. do crazy things like bench all of his left-handed hitters, including Cody Bellinger in a world series game because a left-hander was starting on the mound for the other team. And it's like, these guys aren't robots. You play your best players. That's what's going to put you in positions to win. And it's stuff like that that has to frustrate Dodger fans because of the amount of money that they spend, the amount of wins that they get in the regular season, and then in the playoffs, it's just you see Dave Roberts throw games time and again. So I think this year might be different, though. I think the Dodgers are good enough to maybe overcome some of those uh, calls that he makes, and maybe they won't. he won't even have to make as many of those calls because they got the dudes in the building. But – the other team I'm going to point to in the National League, Ben, I'm not really high on Philly. I'm not really high on the Padres. I'm surprised the Padres are able, able to squeak into the playoffs, to be honest, dude. Um, I'm saying. not going to go with the Mets. The Mets seem to be cold. I think my, if I remember correctly, my preseason prediction for World Series was the Braves. Yeah. And they're heating up at the exact right time. And when you look through in the National League at all these stats that the Dodgers are first in, the ones that they aren't first in, the Braves are first in a lot of them. Yeah or they're right behind the Dodgers in each of these categories. And they do everything uh, right, too. They got um, they got the bats. They got the, the pitching staff. And they got the experience, too, in the playoffs, which I think is very important. That's why I'm not uh, going to go with the, a team like Cleveland just yet. I think playoff experience is very important. And the Braves got those innings and reps and games in. So if I had to go with a World Series prediction right now, I'd probably go Astros and Dodgers. I know it's – not really a hot take first place team versus a first place team, but yeah. the first place for in those 
uh, I guess, leagues for a reason. They're leading in all the important categories. I feel like they got everything that you need to make a tough playoff run, and that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going – yeah, I like it. I'm going Astros versus Dodgers, and, you know – uh, should we predict it now? Should we just give our give our thoughts on who we think is going to well, win? I'm going to go ahead and say that the Astros win, and it's going to be to the disappointment of most baseball fans, but it's going to finally put, I think, the the sign-stealing gate behind yes. them if you're an Astros fan and just allow the team to move on. They have a ring under their belt that they won clean, and everybody, I don't want to say we'll forget about it, but it's not going to be as big of a deal anymore. Like It's going to be a huge monkey off Houston's yeah. back if they can get that win. I agree. I think it's going to be Houston. I think Houston's going to win it in six against the Dodgers. So I think it, it's yeah, be, it's not going to be yeah. any four or five game series against so. whether it's the Braves or the Dodgers coming out of there. Heck, even the Mets will give them a shot because they're still a good team overall. They're just freezing up at the wrong time right now. Yeah, so. I like the Astros the most right now. Yeah, you know, I like it. Um, we'll get, as I said, as Josh said, we're going to get into more specific. Yeah, next episode we're going to probably have the wild card round done, so we'll at least have the. ALDS NLDS matchups and we can at least make more predictions team by team based I guess yes that is what's going to happen but Josh anything else you want to add for the episode anything else you want to add man what a what a show man I think I said it before we started recording have we got a show for you and that was a show college football Browns baseball it's a great time of the year great time to be alive Great time to be alive, and we all think we're very appreciative of you guys. Uh, follow us on our Instagram at baseline.podcast, which is always below us here. Uh, as you're watching or as you're listening, go check that out. Uh, and yeah, stay tuned with us. We're always doing different things. I'm always going to give Buckeye breakdowns every week. Uh, we're trying to do different things as we go on throughout the year. And again, it's October, which means it's going to be busy. A little longer episodes than normal in in October, just because there's a lot of sports to cover. So, uh, oh, yeah. thanks for thanks for hanging in with us. Uh, we really appreciate it and uh, hope you guys have a great weekend. But before you do that, make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit that thumbs up. Uh, so that way we can uh, just see that you're enjoying the video uh, and you're watching along on the video podcast. But if you're listening to the podcast in your car or at work or whatever, make sure you guys give us a rating. Who has the better team, the Reds or the or the Guardians? You know, who, who has a better team? <laughs> Um, and, uh, you can rate however you That's feel. That's the question. So. Um, but yeah, anyways, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. Uh, we do appreciate it as always and go enjoy some football, go enjoy some baseball this weekend uh, and have a good time doing it And until next time. We'll see ya.